and welcome to the Latinx of Utah Valley podcast, where we discuss all things Latina OX. I'm your Peruana host, Mari Linares. And with me, I have Sienna, Lydia, and Saskia, who will be joining us on this episode. Hi, my name is Sienna Galvez. I'm born and raised here in uh, the Utah Valley area from Provo. My dad is from Guadalajara, Mexico, and he immigrated here to the United States when he was a teenager. He's lived here for the rest of his life since then, and um, my mom is also from this area. I'm currently a student at UVU studying English with a emphases in creative writing and writing studies. Hi everybody, my name is Lydia Kerr. I've been teaching as a professor in the English department at UVU for about 12 years now. Um, I teach mostly 20th century American literature, um, but I also created about five years ago a Latino, Latina, Latinx literature class that's starting to grow. Um, Two of these folks here are in, in that class this semester. I was born in Miami, Florida, but my family, my mother's side of the family is from Puerto Rico. Um, And so I identify with both of those parts of my identity. Hi guys, my name is Saskia Bernarellis, called Papkichili, and I'm a student here at Utah Valley University. I was born in Lima, Peru, and I moved to Brazil when I was two years old. That's where I was raised. And I moved from Brazil to the United States when I was 15. All right, awesome. So to get things started, I wanted to ask you all a question about language and on whether or not you guys feel language is a part of your identity. Um, I think it's very an, a, very, a very important part of my identity. I mean, language, I think, is important to any human being because it's how we express ourselves. And um, being half Latina and half, like, American, I guess, um, Spanish has been something that was like a part of my life. I mean, I grew up here and I learned English as my native language. But as I got older, like being around the Spanish speakers in my family and just knowing a little bit of that culture, I always kind of wanted to learn Spanish and kind of connect more to that part of my culture. Um, And I think language, like I loved, I appreciated a lot of things about um, the Mexican side of my family and the things I knew about the culture but I didn't start to really feel connected to it until I started to learn the language of Spanish. Obviously, English is my native language, so I can express myself best with that. And I, you know, there's a lot of things I still, like, even as a fairly fluent Spanish speaker, like, I can't express well in English. And there's a lot of parts of my identity that are connected to English and American culture. So I think, yeah, it's a really big part of identity for sure. Yeah, I agree. I liked what you said at the beginning about how language is a part of anybody's identity. And I think we'll probably go into that a little bit more later because I've got more stuff to say. But as far as my myself is concerned, I think I can relate a lot to what Sienna was just saying about, um, about language. My family is from Puerto Rico. They made a very conscious decision not to teach me and my siblings any Spanish when we were growing up. I just learned that there's a new term for this. It may not be that new, but I'm old. It's called um, a nosabo kid. And it's intentionally incorrect, right? Because you're supposed to say no sé. 
but an Osabo kid is a kid who has the heritage language of Spanish, like me and like you, but who doesn't didn't grow up okay. knowing it. So I identify in similar ways to you, Sienna, but I haven't done what you've done and actually made the leap to really learn. I pick up on it here and there. I just started using Duolingo a couple days <laughs> so, ago, yeah. inspired by um, y'all's podcast. <laughs> so. But it's tricky when you grew up with it, but not speaking it. Because, I mean, I've taken many Spanish classes, and when I seek them out now as an adult, I think this is, I know more than this. I'm at a, a higher level than this, but, I, mm-hmm. but I'm not. So I'm in this like weird in-between, like intermediate, advanced stage. But I probably know the least Spanish of, of the four of us here. So it's almost like language. Like, for Sienna, language identifies her identity. Mm-hmm. But with you, it's, like, the reverse. Like Yeah, it's almost like it's the absence of a language yeah. that makes... that I think about when I think about my, my Puerto Rican identity. And I don't blame my grandfather, my grandmother, my mother for not teaching me um, because they had to deal with a lot when they came to the mainland in the in the 50s not knowing any English. Um, but I think my grandfather regretted it before he died, not teaching. You needed to yeah. do that in order to survive. Yeah, that's exactly right. It was yeah. a matter of survival. That is yeah. interesting. If I can actually comment on um, what Lydia was saying, I think uh, it, what's interesting is that a lot of people like want to learn a language for fun. But even for me, um, like... I think it comes out of necessity. Yes. And so almost in a reverse way of like, you know, your grandparents like and a lot of immigrants, you know, come to the United States. They have to, especially in previous times, like um, assimilation and integration were super pushed here in American culture. Yep. Like um, as we read about in, you know, Anzandua's book, like, you know, kids are punished for not speaking English. And I think I mean, we have the the privilege of like today that we can um you know, express different languages more freely, I think, generally. Um, But, like, a lot of immigrants out of, you know, learning English is super difficult. I know that from a lot of my friends and family, but they had to do it to survive. Mm -hmm. And I, like, always, like, heard some Spanish, took Spanish classes, like, as a teenager in high school and, like, really did want to learn it. But even, like, my dad's immediate family live nearby, and so I've always grown up around my my tios and my abuelos, um... And they all speak Spanish when we're visiting them. Um, but even when I started to learn and I had some phrases and some sentences, I was still afraid to speak it for a long time. And so when I served in LDS mission, Spanish speaking, that was like the necessity to push me to do it. Because it's like I really needed to communicate with these people and I really had a strong motivation to, which part of me is a little, almost feels a little guilty like my own family wasn't enough motivation. But I kind of knew that I would need that push and I'd have to be put in more of an immersion situation to have to learn it and to have to really become conversational. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing because I think a lot of people say like, oh, I want to learn a language, but yeah. it's hard to get the motivation and really get it going till you're in a situation where you actually need it right. to communicate. Where it's a so. matter of survival mm-hmm. and necessity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for my for me, it was like the opposite because I had to learn English in mm-hmm. order to like, right. you know, do anything here in the U.S., when I, I moved here to the U.S. and I was 15, and I didn't know any English at all. I remember that in Brazil, they do teach English as, like, one of the classes in high school. But I was I was like, oh, I'm never going to need this language because I'm going to, you know, be here in Brazil for the rest of my life. And then here I am in the U.S. <laughs> now I'm speaking English. But I remember that when I moved here, it was a big thing. Like, 
language and identity because like in the first few months I was able to maybe know a little bit of English and I used to study just on YouTube and I, I would know the I would know some words and then sometimes when people were saying something or they were in a conversation I could like maybe listen I could hear some words and then I could understand it but then I didn't know enough to maybe say something back and I don't want to cry but I, I had like so many experiences during high school where I would like listen to someone talking about something that I, I love to talk about and that I could never say what I wanted to say because I didn't know enough to say and to be part of the conversation and I think that's when language comes with identity because you're someone and you want to express who you are but then you can't do that you know and I feel like the language that I can communicate the most and be myself the most is in Portuguese because I grew up in Brazil and although I was born in Peru my since my mom is from Brazil and my dad's from Peru when they met they moved to Brazil when I was two and my dad didn't speak any Portuguese and he is a doctor so he needed to learn in order to be a doctor in Brazil so at home we never spoke Spanish like we never never really spoke any Spanish I remember like some uncles and aunts they would call and be like oh do you like are you guys are you able to speak Spanish but like I was never really thought Spanish but because my dad had like Portuguese and Spanish are very similar and my dad had a really strong accent in Portuguese so like some words like I understand I never learned Spanish but I can understand so many words when I was little just because my dad had strong accent so some mm -hmm. words I would know that this you say la or le for some things just because in Portuguese instead of saying the something or like oh something he would say le or la going back to when I moved here and I was learning I remember that like it was so interesting because I got to a point after like maybe six months to a year that I was here that I was able to communicate with people I was able to talk to them but I had this biggest struggle because I felt like I could never connect to them I felt like I could never make friends because I could never be myself I could never like have the same sense of humor that they have because their language is different and Sometimes I wanted to express myself, I wanted to say something, and then I wasn't able to be like who I am. And I feel like now I'm able to express myself much better in English, and now I can feel comfortable speaking it in English and Portuguese. But then in Spanish, the same time that I can speak it, and I understand 100% Spanish, I can speak it. I do have an accent when I speak Spanish too, but I don't practice my Spanish as much. So sometimes when I'm talking to people and they talk to me in Spanish, sometimes I'll either like say back in English or when I really have to just speak in Spanish because the person that I talk to don't speak another language, then I feel like I can't be myself <laughs> because I don't know how to be like part of why I'm like, I like to have funny conversations. Like I can't make jokes in Spanish. Yeah, yeah. I don't I'm know the same that. way. Like yeah. I have a lot of like Latino friends and um, like usually like I feel pretty comfortable at this point where I can just converse with them but if they start bringing in like things about jokes and like that's what people mm -hmm. like talk about when you're just with friends like it's casual you're like joking around and there comes a point where when there's a lot of that going around and just certain words that I like don't really know I'm just kind of it feels yeah. like even though like you know people don't intend to make you feel that way you kind of feel left out you're just kind of like yeah. okay I'm just gonna yeah like, <laughs> I don't understand like really you're what's going on so. it almost it's a, um, it's really interesting how language works like this I mean yeah. I would you mentioned feeling guilty earlier. You talked about some kind of similar experiences, Saskia. And I just was going to say, when you invited me to do this, I was like, wait, maybe I don't know enough <laughs> about my Puerto Ricanness to be uh, on this podcast. It's really interesting. And then to get to sit here with you all and hear all of we these. We have, like, all yeah. varying backgrounds. Yeah. And it's a whole spectrum of experiences. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, for me and my background, I 
felt like for me language almost tore my identity apart because yes I left Peru when I was pretty little and I came to the U.S. but even though like my parents like we spoke Spanish at home all the time so at first like it was a struggle to know English because like I would be in class and I like I would be able to finally understand what my teacher was saying and I like would know the answer and I'd be like oh finally like I can I can answer something in class but I wouldn't know how to communicate it and sometimes like some of my teachers growing up took that in a different perspective that I just didn't know the material which was not true <laughs> like I needed to figure out how to communicate myself but also um, for me it almost feels like I've been in a liminal state. There's an author called Gloria Anzaldúa, and she wrote a book called Borderlands, La Frontera de New Mestiza. And in that book, she talks a lot about how there is a literal border between Mexico and the U.S., but we as people, especially immigrants, we carry our own internal borders between two different cultures, communities, and identities. And that for me is what I feel myself like I have been carrying. Like when I speak, sometimes my English gets some Spanish in there. <laughs> and when I'm speaking Spanish, sometimes I can't think of a word. So then I'll say it in English. Like I'm sure many of us can relate to that. And I feel like I'm neither like English nor Spanish. Like I've had like even when I speak like my family or friends from here will point that out. And so, like, my family in Peru, like, they hear me talk and they hear me forget words and they're like, oh, eres americana, like, you're American. Or here, like, when I'm talking and, like, I'm trying to communicate with some friends and I just can't get certain words because I realize that I never said those words in English. Um, they'll tell me, like, oh, eres latina, or they don't say it in Spanish, but, like, they'd be like, oh, you're Latina. So for me, it's almost like I am living, I am a living border. Like, I am neither Peruana nor American. And I'm sure, like, I am not the only one that feels that way. Like, I can tell by, like, all your guys' faces that, like, I'm not the only one that feels this way. Even with language being part of your identity, I also feel like it can be a barrier for the Latinx community. Whether it's, like, through dialects, mixed, like, Spanish-English or Spanglish, um, or even no Spanish, in my own experience. It's almost something that we pick up and do it to each other. We criticize each other by the way that we speak, whether we have an English accent, whether we can't speak Spanish, whether we can't even speak a single language, we just have it mixed in, or like the dialects that we speak, like we tear each other down for them when instead we should be taking those into consideration and taking how that makes us unique. Like, for example, like I think in Mexico, like they say uh, like avocado in Mexico is aguacate. But in Peru, it's palta. So, like, when I used to live down in Texas, and when I would, like, go to a grocery store and be like, uh, ¿Me puedes pasar? ¿Sabes dónde está la palta? Or, like, do you know where, like, the avocado is, the palta? And they would just give me, like, a, what are you asking? Like, what? what? <laughs> and when I show them a photo on my phone of, like, an avocado, they're like, oh, you mean aguacate. Like, like, you need to learn your Spanish. The correct Yeah, you. you need to know the correct way to say it. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what? <laughs> this is the correct way for me. Like, this is my, like, dialect. Yeah. But what do you guys, like, have on that? Your, your story about aguacate, it reminds me of a story that my grandmother told me a lot when I was little about when she first moved from Queens in New York to Miami. Um, 
there's a lot of Cubans in Miami and a lot of Puerto Ricans in New York City. And when she moved, um, I cannot fully tell you the, the story and the joke because it's sturdy. Um, <laughs> but she was going to the grocery store to ask for um, a little roll of bread. And the word she was using for this for Cubans was a very filthy, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And she didn't understand why everybody was treating her so weird at the grocery store for years. Until finally a cashier said, don't say that word. That's not how we're saying bread here. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's really fascinating. I have, like, an experience from high school about how, like, understanding that we're unique about languages, you know, that we don't have to see as a different or, like, being different as a negative thing. Um, When I was in high school, my first year, I was a freshman, and I was going to try out for the ballroom team in my high school. And I remember that I didn't know anything about trying out even because in Brazil, like, we don't really have this thing of, like, you're going to try out for something. And then I had a friend who helped me to go to the tryouts. We had the tryouts. They were giving instructions, and I couldn't understand anything that they were saying, you know, because I didn't Mm -hmm. understand English. But I did know, I could see them dance, so I would just, like, mimic how they danced. And then we had the tryouts, and then I made the team. And then the next day when I came and I was talking to my U.S. history professor, I mean, teacher in high school, (laughs) but he is really good friends with my coach, and then he told me, like, I carried this for... the rest of my life, I feel like that was such a, like eye-opening moment. He he said something I don't quite remember exact words because I didn't know English that well, <laughs> but I remember he saying something like he congratulated me for made, making it to the team, and then he said that my coach was impressed with me because she was really impressed that I was able to pick up the dance so fast without knowing any English. And then that moment, I was like, what I thought I thought of myself was so different because I didn't speak English. And what made me different is what made me unique, you know? Yeah. And so also what made me stand out to be part of the team to make to the tryouts. So in that moment, I realized that, like, we're all unique and we have to embrace that. And I'm not saying that, and you know, like, it was a good thing that I didn't know in English, but it's definitely like a learning experience. And we all yeah. have those moments in life that we're learning something. And, and especially, like, in language, it doesn't make us different or less than anyone else. It just makes us unique, you know? So I feel like for me, the experience was so eye-opening because I started seeing myself as it's okay to, you know, it's okay to have an accent. It's okay to not know English perfectly now. It's not because you're here for like six months that you already have to know like perfect English or because you're here for like five years, you know. Or even Everyone, like 20 years. Exactly. <laughs> Shout out to my mom. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, uh, three days ago, we had an activity here at UVU. And it was like the lunch for first-generation students. And then I was talking to this lady. I think she's 20-something. She's like on her late 20s. And then I was talking to her, and I asked, like, how long have you been here? And then she wouldn't. She was really shy talking to mm-hmm. me and talking to Almost anyone like else. Almost like embarrassed. like. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. I was like, how long have you been here? And then she was like, oh, a couple of years. And I was like, oh, so two years. And then she was like, oh, no. And maybe more. I don't really like to say it. And then yeah, like, I was like, oh, why Why don't you like to say it? Like, how long? And then she, like, we were talking for a little bit until she told me. She was like, oh, I've been here for five years. But sometimes when I say that I've been here for five years, people expect me to know English perfect mm-hmm. or to speak more. And then I feel embarrassed because I, I don't. And then she was telling me her experience. She said she came here to the U.S. She's from Mongolia. 
and she worked as a lash technician and as a nail technician and she would she would not speak English like with the clients as much more with like her co-workers and that way she didn't practice like English as much as for example I practiced a whole lot because I was in high school I had to know English to get good grades to pass a class to communicate with other people so our experiences when we're learning English or when we're learning Spanish or Portuguese or any other language they're so different so I think we really like shouldn't push ourselves to like be perfect or like you know put ourselves like yeah we shouldn't be putting ourselves in a timeline yeah exactly like, by then like yeah. like years like at this point by now like I should already have lost my accent I should already be speaking perfect English mm-hmm. like everybody is different if you come here when you're younger as a kid you pick it up quicker if you come here exactly. when you're older it's a lot tougher and all those like all those little things we need to take into consideration because those almost different this like we are all different and and that is what makes us unique and what mm-hmm. unifies us yeah mm-hmm. if i could just add some thoughts of kind of going back to what maria was saying about like <laughs> latinos sometimes like being harsh with each other about this this language thing mm-hmm. to think is really interesting i've personally seen like i was mentioning before i think in the past like there's been i don't know maybe it's just like i mean most of my experience with like you know, immigrants and different people has been in the Utah area. Maybe people are just nicer here. I don't know if it's harsher in other areas where people get judgment for not having good English. Especially being immigrants. like a mixture of already Spanish-speaking people. Yeah. Because like, where I went, it was majority Mexican. Right. Yeah. So there's an acceptance of both, right? And that's kind of part of that Borderlands concept where there's Spanglish and, like, that's acceptable. Um, but I have noticed, um, I mean, for most of my life, most of my interactions with Latinos was mostly with Mexicanos, um, you know, with my own family for the most part growing up. And because I didn't speak um, Spanish till I was like, till more recently, honestly, like within the last couple of years, I became more fluent. Um, I didn't really identify much with a lot of other Latinos. Like there were a lot of Latinos in my high school and I feel like there was a pretty significant Latino community and a lot of students there. But I didn't really ever like hang out with them because you know they'd speak Spanish it was just a different it was a really different culture like I felt a lot more American you know um more white you <laughs> could say almost like the whitewashed like yeah label. yeah and people the funny thing too is sometimes people would see me like people didn't know me and they'd almost like expect me to speak Spanish and so that would be like like a little bit me da un poquito de vergüenza like I'd feel a little bit but also I feel like being American like you get cut more slack you know like and sometimes there's still that whole superiority thing like people who don't speak as much English they're like oh it's so nice that you you know you were born here you already know English and like I do I am very grateful for that advantage I have because it's hard but as I like I said before I served a an LDS mission and I served in um, the Lubbock Texas mission so like the West Texas area and that was where I met I started to meet Latinos from like a lot of other different countries um and we, as missionaries, we would actually teach um, English classes. We'd give free English classes that people could come attend, just people from the community. And as I started to meet people that we were trying, you know, us as missionaries, we were trying to learn Spanish and communicate Spanish with them while they were also trying to learn English. And I often saw this interesting thing where, like, Latinos, they have this, like, this superiority thing about who Spanish is, like, like who's more the most correct like, yeah which yeah. so i think is really yeah. funny like i met a lot of cubanos um in that area and 
they some of them were very very prideful about their Spanish but I had a super hard time understanding it because <laughs> it's really fast and it's just different and like the and dialects honestly, of Spanish yeah. are different from every country so different it's mm-hmm. almost like when they oh. oh no I was just going to add about <laughs> Cubanos and Puerto Ricanos in Miami especially <laughs> all along the east coast there is this tension yeah that the islands are so close to each other geographically yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Spanish is different but I don't know that it's different enough to make enemies of Puerto Ricans and Cubans yeah. but it feels like that sometimes and you're right yeah I have experienced that what you what mm-hmm. you were mentioning And yeah, it's like almost this, because we're already having our identity torn apart. Like here we have to forget the Latin side of us in order to survive. You got to know English in order to go to school, in order to get a job, in order to get a house or anything. That Spanish side of you is almost like pushed out of you, Mm -hmm. like a survival like tactic. Mm -hmm. But because like, like we all come from different like, different like backgrounds. And so someone's like survival like mechanisms of forgetting or not even forgetting for pushing aside their spanish their portuguese whatever the language it's someone else's like reverse like someone else's survival of wanting to know spanish like Mm -hmm. sienna said to communicate with like family for those who don't know like there's actually a term for that and it's called linguistic terrorism which was also quoted by gloria so If you guys are listening to this episode and you're still on, (laughs) um, honestly, get her book because she emphasizes a lot more on this identity and language and how they play a role with us. But yeah, linguistic terrorism, that is where we tear each other down, whether it's purposely or ignorantly, like we don't know, but we're still doing it. We tear each other down by the way that we speak. So for those who are experiencing this linguistic terrorism, whether it is on the side of the victim where you have experienced and had many encounters where your language or the way that you spoke, whether it was English or Spanish or no Spanish or Portuguese or it was attacked or it was like almost like torn down or whether um, you guys found yourselves on the other side, whether on purpose or ignorantly, and most often it is ignorantly because we pick up on how society treats us, so we start amplifying those tactics. But, so Sienna and Lydia and Saskia, like, what would you want other Latinx individuals who are struggling on both sides of this linguistic terrorism to, to know or understand? I think it's such a good question, Mari, because, um, well, first of all, it reminds me of what we were, what we've been talking about with Gloria and Saldua's book. Um, I, w- I'm going to read a passage. It's not that long, don't worry. <laughs> uh, but it's my, I think it's one of my favorite passages in the whole book. She says, so if you really want to hurt me, talk badly about my language. Ethnic identity is twin skin to linguistic identity. I am my language. Until I can take pride in my language, I cannot take pride in myself. Until I can accept as legitimate Chicano, Texas, Spanish, Tex-Mex, and all the other languages I speak. And here she's talking about dialects and languages, right? I cannot accept the legitimacy of myself. 
until I am free to write bilingually and to switch codes without having always to translate while I have to speak English. Well, I still have to speak English or Spanish when I would rather speak Spanglish. And as long as I have to accommodate the English speakers rather than having them accommodate me, my tongue will be illegitimate. I think that this passage, I mean, I teach this book once a year to a mixed group of students, some of whom are Latino Latina, some of whom don't know any Spanish or have any connection with Latin America at all. And this book, I think, does a, such a good job of delivering that precise message about that connection between language and culture and language and identity to both kinds of students. So that on the one hand, my Anglo students are understanding, oh, now I see how language informs my identity, too, as an English speaker, at the same time as my Latino students are able to say, I should be proud of myself and my native tongue and my heritage language. So I don't know if that answers the question, but I think getting different kinds of people in the same room together to realize the overlaps in our experience in spite of our differences mm -hmm. is the, the first step. Um, I think... Uh, part of like, what is the term you use? Language terrorism? Yeah, linguistic terrorism. Linguistic terrorism. I think that a lot of people that do that, they don't know they're doing it. I think, in a, I think a lot of it comes from ignorance. And when I say that people are ignorant, I don't mean that they're dumb or stupid or anything like they're in that route. unaware of exactly. it, that they picked it up and are doing it now. Yeah, and that's why I think it's so important for people to do things like that, you know, to share their experiences so they know how they feel. Like, this is how I feel when you treat me this way. And I know that, like, when I was learning English, I grew up with a family that speaks English because when I moved to the U.S., I moved without my parents and I lived with my uncle and my aunt. They have two boys and they all speak English. My aunt speaks Spanish, but at home we all speak English because the kid, the boys and neither my uncle speaks Spanish. So I was like, I grew up speaking English and for a long time, I think I wanted to correct my accent. I was like, I don't want to have an accent. And it was always almost like it was something negative, you know, or like, oh, if I speak in English without an accent, I'm like, you almost feel like you're, you're better, yeah. although you're not. To almost like, the I don't know about you, but for me, it's like with the Latinx community, if you don't have an accent when you talk, then you're not authentic. Yeah. Whereas like with English community, it's like, if you have an accent, mm -mm, you got to cut that out. But yeah. isn't it an accent still even if we don't yeah. recognize it as an yeah. accent yeah. because That's it's so normalized yeah. right yeah, this is an accent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this is what i'm saying about students reading this book is that suddenly anglo students who only know english say oh i can relate to what she's saying here just because my language is the most no dominant and normalized and has like the an army and a navy behind it yeah doesn't mean that it's not still making up my identity mm -hmm. in the same mm -hmm. in the same types of ways. So that's I thought that was such a great comment. Yeah, thank you Saskia. so much for sharing that, Saskia. Mm -hmm. um, going with that, um, I remember that like sometimes even today, because so many people in my close circle of friends, they also speak just English, you know. And now in college, I have friends who speak like other languages or they understand a little bit more. But back when I was in high school, I just graduated. So my most recent <laughs> experience, actually, a lot of people, when I say something, they understand it, but they will correct the way I say it. Like I say it. And then I've had so many experiences that like I would say something, the person would stop me and say the word again. And they would not keep going the conversation until I repeated the word the way they showed me or like, like the almost like hmm. it wasn't even like for you to say it right but rather for you to say it without your accent yeah and i think they they thought i was saying it wrong because i had like an accent like a stronger mm -hmm. accent in some parts 
and it, and I think those things happen so often, you know, for, especially for people who like have English as a second or third language, that people try to correct them all the time because they think they're doing them a favor. They think they're like <laughs> helping them to know more uh -huh. English. And a lot of times it's just a matter of like, do you understand them? Did they ask you to correct them? Because sometimes I ask for corrections. If I, if someone asks for a correction, if, like feel free to give them to help them. But if they don't ask for a correction, if you're not there, mm. I don't know, two hours a day, like teaching them English or yeah, like yeah, like if mm -hmm. they're not asking it, then like don't like yeah. if you can understand them, then that's okay. Like that's already good enough. Exactly, because yeah. that's the whole point of you know having another language to be able to communicate. Mm -hmm. That's the whole yeah. point, and I feel like a lot of times people who do that they think they're helping they don't notice and then that just makes like the person who's being attacked just feel bad mm -hmm. and as if like they're not still not enough you know because yeah. i feel like for people who are learning like any other language and just i just speak it i just say english because that like we live in a country where most people speak english and they have to constantly like be you know speak english to communicate with other people Sometimes they feel like they're still not enough, although they know they're like, oh, it's still not enough that I can know, but I have to say it in a different <laughs> way, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. Even like within our own, com like even within our own community, like sometimes when we're communicating with someone and we know what they're talking about, but they're using a different word than what we use. I you think, mean this? yeah, yeah, like holding back on those comments, because ask yourself, like, where are those comments coming from? Sometimes it can be from a competitive like side, like like mm -hmm, a prideful, like mm -hmm. no, my Spanish is like. Or other times it can be like, just out of like thinking that you're helping them, but like it's understand that we all have different dialects. We all speak Spanish in our own way, whether we have an American accent with it or whether we don't or whether different dialects we use different words for different things. Like, just how Saskia said, like, um, with. With the speakers of, like, with English speakers and, like, Spanish, Portuguese speakers, like, we gotta also, like, bring that to our community, to the Latinos, the Latinas, the Latinx, like, Portuguese, um, and accept people's languages for how they are. Like, mm -hmm. if we can understand each other, we do not need to be correcting each other yeah. unless we ask for that correction, like, yeah. so. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, just... I've had a lot of thoughts as we're talking about this um, idea of linguistic terrorism and I feel like I'm in a really unique and I feel like honestly I really love like the place that I'm in because like I was saying like what is interesting is on my mission I mean I told people like I mean I, I look Latina because I'm half um, but I would tell people like you know I'm from the United States and so like I didn't get the pressure to have like perfect Spanish but on like in the opposite way it's kind of nice because people are like oh it's cool that you know Spanish because you know you grew up here but like you learned it because you wanted to and you wanted to be able to speak to Latinos um but like I'm kind of going back to like when we were as a missionary when I'd be like teaching English classes or even just like talking to Latinos from all different countries like sometimes they would be like oh yeah we don't say that like in like there's a different word for this or this and that and I kind of get the idea of like there's a superiority with the language mm, okay. um and so I had to start telling people I was like do I have to identify what kind of Spanish I speak <laughs> even though I'm also I'm like <laughs> I speak American Spanish because like I didn't that's the interesting thing is like Spanish is obviously a language in all these different countries but I didn't grow up speaking a language a Spanish from a certain country although I just tell people I guess I speak like mi español es mexicano like 
yeah. because I have the most Mexican background. I was in Texas and there's a lot of Mexicans there and Tex-Mex is a whole thing too. Like there were words that I thought were like legit, like troca for truck, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but see? they were like, uh-huh. apparently like that's like Americanization yeah. Spanish. Yeah, it's like a Spanish pronunciation uh-huh. of an English word. Yeah, I remember this Cuban woman that we were teaching English to was just telling us, she's like, these words, like, she's like, Mexicans have made up all these words that are just mixed with English. And she's like, it's not like el español puro. Like, it's not real Spanish. And I'm like, well, I guess you can say that. But, like, that's a thing. It's yeah. part of identity. Like, it's just a different way of communicating. And so I don't feel like we should, Latinos need to degrade each other for these different things. Although I can kind of understand where that's coming th- from again, too, because it might be the whole idea of, like, we don't want to become Americanized. Mm-hmm. And different, like countries even just by proximity right like mexico is a lot more western than some of these other latin countries but something that um i think is really cool is since coming home from my mission i've been attending a congregation in my church that is um specifically for young single adults who speak spanish and there's like these young adults are from all different countries like i've never met like latinos from such a variety of places And within this specific community, I feel like, um, you know, it might just be like, you know, our religion and our beliefs like do bond us in like that warm, that warm way and that friendliness. But I think that also helps with like the Spanish that I speak there. Like I feel pretty accepted by everyone. And I also think it's really cool and fun that I'm learning Spanish as I continue to expand my my vocabulary and the way that I speak Spanish it's not super specific to any one country because I'm hearing it from all different places. And so, yeah, so, like, there will be words that I'll say, like, I think I would say majority of my specific vocab and words are more, like, Mexicano Mm -hmm. because that's, like, what I grew up hearing the most of. Um, But people say, like, oh, yeah, like, we have a different word for this, but not, like, in a condescending way, just, like, like, oh, "Oh, yeah. Like, they might be, like, wait, what's that that you're saying? And I'm, like, uh... I'll, like, look it up on Spanish Dictionary or something and be like, so in all these different countries, they say it this way. And they're like, oh, that's how we say it in my country. And so I'm like, well, that's cool because I'm just, like, learning things. I'm kind of just absorbing all of it. Don't be, like, hostile towards, like, different, like, changes. But, like, be more like how how the congregation is. Like, be more curious Mm -hmm. and seek to understand each other's dialects. I like that. Yeah, I think it's a cool mixture. I was just thinking about a passage, again, from Anselmo's book around the same section on linguistic terrorism, where she remarks that it's fascinating that students in America will jump to take French classes and German classes before they want to take Spanish. And the problem she has with this is that there are just so many people with that heritage here in this country. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't we want to learn more mm-hmm. about that culture and that, th- those cultures and those languages. So I think, yeah, learning Spanish is probably yeah. a great <laughs> reply to yeah. part of the question that you initially asked. Yeah, and... Sorry. Going with what you said, I think a lot of times people could not be as interested in, like, learning Spanish because although there's so many people who speak Spanish here, sometimes they, like, they expect them to just know English, so yep. they don't really have to know Spanish. Because if you're here, mm-hmm. you should know English, you know? It's, yeah, not, like it's your, a privilege, like, right? With, like, what mm-hmm. you were saying, like, um, when you thought you were just going to be in Brazil, like, I don't need to know English. Yeah, like, I'm just going to exactly. be in Brazil. <laughs> the people here are like, I'm just going to be in America my whole life, like, yeah. in North America. Yeah. Like, everyone else so. has to learn mm-hmm. our language. And that's a whole... <laughs> that's a whole different of, track of the like and yeah. lots of americans think that the united states has an official language and that it's english 
but it's actually a mixing pot of we multiple do not have an official language i did not different actually know that. Yep. and different languages really i'm cool. from miami where signs are in spanish mm-hmm. mostly <laughs> so i grew up in that environment and then moved to new york or to new york and then to utah and it's fu- it's funny to me in utah especially given how many people are here from from mexico that utah doesn't embrace that yeah, yeah the, the diversity that culture as much as i would like it to because mm-hmm. it's true like um the u.s was made by immigrants That's so right. we all come from different backgrounds and it's not only latinos or latinx individuals but we also have people from europe and also we have a lot of like italians here a lot of people from the east like middle east oh. asia so it is a mixing pot and going back to what sienna was saying about how the language is very mixed in and almost Mexica- Mexicans almost were looked at as tainting the Spanish mm-hmm. when in reality it has nothing to do with their cultural background. It has to do with where they are now. And it wasn't just Mexican. I think it's like the overall label that when someone sees a Latina, a Latino, a Latinx, they just have to be Mexican. Yeah. But it's not it's not that way. <laughs> like like for example, like yeah. my parents, like they grew up in Peru but, but they came to the US when they were older. And now my mom is saying troca instead of camioneta. (laughs) And, like, different, like, different words. It just adapts because of circumstances. um, But also, like, that brings up a whole other culture, a whole other identity that was born in the U.S., a Chicano and Chicana identity, where we already, like, they have the Spanish and the English, and they create words like troca and, like... Ooh, I don't know what else. Think of other ones. Yeah. There's definitely lots of other Estoy ones. Muy full. Yeah. Oh yeah. Estoy muy full. <laughs> and like that, just because they speak like that, it doesn't deter- like it doesn't tear like, like we shouldn't tear them down by their Spanish and be like, oh, you're not authentic like enough. It's inferior. Yeah. Yeah, because like we have to remember that we have different backgrounds that we come with to the U.S. or when we meet each other, like we have different backgrounds. Like for me, like born in Peru and raised for a little bit in Peru, like, my first half of my childhood, and then, like, the other half, like, raised in the U.S., whereas Saskia has, like, a trio kind of, like, language, like, born in Peru for a little bit, like, being there for a little bit, raised in Brazil, and then, like, coming to the U.S., like, we have to take into consideration, like, where we come from, because what we see is not always everything. When you were talking, Maria, I'm sorry I interrupted earlier. I got too excited. <laughs> I was just thinking of um, a quote from an article I read a long time ago, and I, c- I couldn't tell you who wrote it. Maybe I can later. Um, he was a linguist and the author, and he was explaining the way that we imagine language to be fixed and stable, mm-hmm. when in fact it's not. It's such an unstable and crazy thing. It's constantly moving and evolving. Even the English so, language with like slang, exactly. which becomes new English. So this author was making the analogy of thinking about language like that, as if it's something stable and unchanging, would be like taking a photograph of the clouds in the sky and saying, this is what a cloud is. (laughs) It will never look anything, it won't look any different than this, it will always be exactly this way. That's absurd. And language, too, is always moving around like that. Language is super fluid and always changing. And I, I honestly think, I mean, when language is so extremely tied up with identity, well, identity is always, it's extremely fluid, too individual to individual as well as like entire countries and nationalities because like we're humans like we're you know we've just like we've evolved and changed over time and history like changes fashion and music and and trends and and the way we talk changes I mean just based off of like I mean there's so many 
factors that too, like political factors, you know, so many complete languages were just formed because of like um, imperialism, That's one right. country taking over another, like, I don't know, like Canada with French, for example. Exactly. One of my favorite quotations along these exact lines is that the, and I kind of referenced this earlier, what's the difference between a language and a dialect? Well, a language is a dialect with an army and a navy enforcing it. We like to think that a dialect is lower, less legitimate than a proper Mm. language. But what if the difference is imperialism? Yeah. Now, like, to bring it home, like, Siena, Lydia, and Saskia, like, how can we have solidarity within the Latinx community in regards to linguistics? Like, how can we create a safe place where we can be unified through language? How can we be a safe place for each other and be unified with each other with our varying languages? I think a big thing is not having expectations on other people because sometimes we have expectations that if you're from this country you have to speak this language or if you have this background you have to speak certain language or speak certain way and i feel like some that's some one of the things that like tears apart i think i know that i've done that in the past with people and i never realized and then i think the more i get i experience like other other people like from different like backgrounds is when i learn more i remember that there was this guy that he he speaks spanish he was born in Paraguay, and then he lived in Brazil for like six months when he was two years old. So he never learned Portuguese, and he didn't grow up with his dad, who was Brazilian. So he really never learned Portuguese. Like the opposite of your... Yeah, <laughs> and then he he used to come to me, and then I told him I was Brazilian, and then I was and he was like, "Oh, yeah, I'm Brazilian too." And then I super I got super excited, started speaking Portuguese to him, and he was like, "Oh, I don't really speak it Portuguese." <laughs> so I was like, "So you're not Brazilian?" And that was like when I had just moved here, and. I never noticed, like, how that could be a bad thing to say because to me it was, like, being Brazilian means to, you know, like, you have the Brazilian culture, you live there, you experience the, that. And then I, like, years later, I looked back and, and then I was like, I shouldn't say that because he's still Brazilian, you know, there's still part of who he is. Even if he doesn't speak the language, I shouldn't have put an expectation on him to know Portuguese in order to identify with his Brazilian side, you know. And it's funny because three years later... Like just a few weeks ago, I went to a party where there was it was like a Brazilian party and there was four Peruvian girls on the side. And then I went to talk to them because I thought they may maybe they felt left out because everyone's speaking Portuguese. So I went and talked to her to, to them. And then I was like, hey, you guys from Peru. And I was like, oh, me too. And then they started speaking Spanish. And then I started answering them in English. And they asked me, oh, how long have you been here? And then I was like, I mean, how long have, have you stayed in Peru? Like, where are you from? All that stuff. And I was like, oh, I was born there, but I only lived there until I was two. And then I moved to Brazil. They were like, oh, so you're not really Peruvian. And I was like, what? Because it's so funny because here mm-hmm. people see me that way, you know, because they don't know that, like, people see me as Hispanic, you know, like, and they, they see me as, like, I'm from Peru, too. And then, but for people who are from Peru, sometimes they don't see me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And just like I did that to my one friend. And then I think that's like a big thing to not put expectations on people to speak in a certain way to, you know, because I think once you realize that you don't need to have perfect Spanish to connect with your Latino side, you you start growing so much. Cause since I came to UVU and I've had... I, I was exposed to so many people who are from different backgrounds or different countries or that speak different languages... I've, I noticed that I grew so much closer to my Peruvian side that I never I never considered myself truly Peruvian because I, I felt like I was just born there. And then once I 
I I realized that I don't need to speak perfect Spanish or Spanish without an accent to be Peruvian or to connect to that side of me, you know, to that part of my family. I noticed that I grew so much. I wasn't shy when I was speaking Spanish. I was able to just talk. And even mm-hmm. if I made mistake, it's okay because I still can understand someone else. They can understand me. And I feel like we grow so much when we realize that we don't need to be in a certain way in order to identify as Latina or Latino, Latinx, or Hispanic, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think a big thing is not putting expectations on other people. And by not putting expectations on other people, you don't pressure them to feel like they need to be or to speak in a certain way in order to connect with their Latino heritage. Yeah. I relate to some of that a lot, Saskia. Like, I was born here in the United States. Like, like I was saying, like, growing up for the longest time. Well, interestingly, too, I should have mentioned this before, but my mom also speaks Spanish. Um, That's actually how... She also served in LDS mission, Spanish-speaking. That's how she met my dad's family when they lived in California. Mm-hmm. And so, and she, like, you know, she had a kind of a similar cultural induction, I guess, to that, where she was, like, all of her family is, like, you know, um, Anglo-American. Um, but she had to learn Spanish, and then she just learned to love the culture of Latinos in general, and that's how she connected with my dad's family and was, I guess, able to feel comfortable enough to marry someone who's Mexican. Um, but he had been in the United States for a long time as well, so he knew English pretty well, and he was kind of culturally a, more, a little more assimilated. But I think, I mean, it's funny because I've told people since I've gotten home from my mission, like, Spanish was, like, the key first for me to really feel connected to my culture. And, like, I always loved my dad's side of the family. I loved, you know, I mean, who doesn't love Mexican food, right? Like, I loved <laughs> the food that they made, and I loved, like, a lot of things about the culture, just what from I knew from my dad's side of the family. Um, but, like, it was just amazing to come home and be able to speak to my abuelos for the first time. Like, they'd say a couple of phrases like, you know, hi, how are you in English? But they didn't know much more than that. And so, like, I just feel so much more connected to them. And I've told people recently, like, like me siento más latina que nunca jamás en mi vida. Like, I don't know I ever have. I don't even know if I said that completely correctly. But, like, I I think it's a really interesting thing that, like, also you do have to, like... But like you were saying, like someone will tell you, like if they're from like a certain country, like they've lived there most of their lives, they're like, well, I'm really like Peruvian, for example, like you're saying, or I'm really Mexican, and like I want to tell people, like I I wasn't even born there, but like I feel Mexican because I've learned the language and I've connected to these people, and like it is a part of my blood, and so people always tell me, like yeah, like you are, like a lot of my friends now even though like my my Spanish isn't perfect I'm still learning like a lot of my Latino friends are now are like yeah like you're Latina like that's legitimate like don't downplay it you know because I would sometimes be almost a little shy about it like yeah I mean I guess I am they're like no you are like you can own that part of your identity it's 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 a personal thing like I don't think I think we should like as a Latino community like we should allow everyone to identify themselves as they want and embrace like what is different and unique about the different cultures and where we come from. And that's what I love about like my group of friends in that congregation I'm a part of is that I feel like generally um, people like our Spanish is different from all different countries, but like we can all become be friends with each other if we are willing to be open to that acceptance and that just embracing of the differences. Like, and the cool thing is like, there are certain things that connect all of us in that specific congregation. I'm part of Spanish connects all of us. Like that's the connecting line. And yet there's still so many different cultures, so many different words. Um, everyone spent different amount of times in Latin countries or none at all. Like there's still a lot of Americanos who like just grew up speaking Spanish in their family. And so 
I don't know. I just think it can be a really cool, like, culturally enriching thing if you just, like, have an open mind to whatever, you know, whatever people bring to the table and find, like, things that are, you can find things that are in common, but also just embrace what's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these answers were both so good. I don't know if I have a ton more to <laughs> add, but I, I really liked what Saskia was saying about um, keeping our expectations um, in check when it comes to our engagement with other Latinos in the community. Um, and Sienna's comments about being able to speak to her abuelos for the first time in Spanish, I think is really inspiring. I always go back and forth between how big of a deal should language be um, when, it, when it comes to these kinds of questions. Mm-hmm. And on the one hand, I want to say I should be able to say I'm Latina without knowing much Spanish, but I know that if I learn more, I'm going to feel you the way feel that like you do. You feel like you carry that expectation with yourself. Exactly. Yeah. I had a dream a couple of days ago that I was speaking in Spanish to my to my grandfather, to my abuelo, who, who died a couple of years ago, um, and he taught me all the Spanish that I know, which isn't much, um, and when I woke up from the dream, I thought, what if... I learn Spanish and I can do this all, all the time. Like, what if anytime I go to sleep, you I can talk to him? You have a secret tutor in your, while you're dreaming? Yeah. <laughs> or, like, well. I don't know if I believe that I'm really communicating with him, but what if it felt that way? That would it's be a part of you. That would be nice. And, yeah, like, kind of, like, adding on to what you guys have said um, with not having expectations, with being, like, accepting of each other's, like, languages. Also checking ourselves when we are talking to other latinas other latinos other latinx other portuguese speakers and check ourselves when we feel that the need to correct someone like check ourselves when we feel like like almost like a competitive like feeling like Mm -hmm. and take a step back and ask ourselves like where are these feelings coming from are they coming from a place of competition or are they coming from a place of security? And if it's a place of security, like being secured in your own identity, then we won't feel the need to correct somebody else's identity and the way that they speak. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Latinx of Utah Valley podcast. Uh, gracias a todos que han podido escuchar. Ya sé que todo esto fue prácticamente en inglés. Like, I know that majority of it was in English, but I hope that you guys were able to understand and follow along. Uh, espero que aunque este podcast fue en inglés, que aún pudieron escuchar y seguirnos en la manera que pueden. And again, my name is Mari. Y thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, me llamo Siena. Soy americana mexicana. Gracias. Me llamo Lidia, and I am New Yorkan. If you know, you know. <laughs> Meu nome é Saskia e eu nasci no Peru, mas eu cresci na Bahia, no Brasil. Muito obrigada. Ok, gracias e tchau. Thanks so much for listening to the Latinx of Utah Valley podcast. I will be back next week with a whole nother episode. But before ending this episode, I'd like to give a special thanks to our sound engineer, Meg McKellar, for making this show possible as well as Kevin McLeod for the music.